A couple of announcements uh, just before we carry on with the service. Uh, obviously, it's very, they're very welcome, the BB and the juniors and the, the uh, anchor boys and the girls' association, very welcome to our service this morning. Um, following the service, the congregation, they're very, you're very warmly invited to have a cup of tea uh, with the boys and the girls for tea and coffee afterwards. Due to COVID, the offering still here isn't being received during the service, but uh, there'll be four boys holding the offering plates at the back of the church on the way out if you'd like to give anything. Um, also, the amount lifted from Harvest Evening Service uh, last week for Storehouse is £1,295, including gift aid. Uh, please be seated. You're okay to sit. <laughs> uh, and uh, just for your information, also our own harvest offering amounts to £2,700. And there's still time to hand in envelopes over the next few weeks, if you so wish. Um, communicant classes, unfortunately, the first class during the week wasn't able to take place uh, because we didn't have enough uh, people. So, but we're hoping this week, so if, you, if you're still thinking about coming, please come along on Wednesday night. Sign it in the vestibule. It'll be at half past seven here in the church if you'd like to attend. Life Lounge, uh, please note the change this month when it'll take place next Sunday instead of the last Sunday in the month. Um, Life Lounge next Sunday night at half past seven. Uh, also, some of our members are unable to attend church because they have no transport. If you could help, uh, there's also a, a out in the vestibule uh, there's a page where you can sign up if you'd like to help bring someone to church. Um, I just want to read also just uh, from Storehouse itself. We received a very uh, thankful letter. Uh, Dear Reverend Shaw, Storehouse North Down wish to thank the congregation of Ballycrock and Presbyterian Church for the tremendous support they have given us, not only through your harvest appeal, but throughout the year. We really enjoyed your harvest service and the beautiful singing of the Donagadee Male Voice Choir. The amount of money donated is fantastic, as, as was the amount of food. This support has been much appreciated and enables us to help those in need. As I said on Sunday evening, we expect to see the need to increase due to the present economic situation. And with the support of such as your congregation, we are able to supply hampers to those in need. It would also be remiss of me not to say a big, big thank you to Jim for his great support and work for Storehouse. He is just great. Thank you once again for your support and ask you to pass on our thanks to your congregation. Uh, God bless Margaret Bailey. I'm going to hand over to Karen, who's our captain, and uh, she's going to welcome you and uh, also an opening prayer. girls of 10th Bangor. I'd just like to welcome you all this morning and thank you very much for attending our enrolment service here in Ballycrocken. Um, you're most welcome to join with us both um, here in person and also for anyone watching us online. Um, your support has been very much appreciated both throughout the year and throughout the past years. Um, I'd just like to open this morning with a short word of prayer. 
Lord, we thank you for bringing us here safely this morning to meet together at our annual enrolment service. We thank you that we're able to uh, worship together this morning and to bless your holy name. Lord, we know this is an important day in our Boys Brigade Girls Association calendar. It's the day where we come before you, Lord, and we make our promises to try and serve you, Lord, in the best way that we can and to try to be the type of young people that you would like us to be. Lord, we ask you to be with those of our number that are not able to be with us this morning, Lord, um, through illness or through other commitments. Um, Lord, we ask you to put your hand upon them and to remind them of the the commitments that the rest of us are making here in church this morning, Lord. Um, Lord, we also think this morning of the the people in Krishlach and Donegal. Lord, they've had a terrible a terrible 10 days. Um, We think of them this week and we ask you to put your your tender hand upon them and to heal the pain that they're going through this week and and to make it easier for them in the months that that lie ahead. And Lord, we also think of those of our congregation who are not able to be with us this morning and be with them, Lord, Um, those of them that are in hospital or ill at home. um, We ask you to be with them this morning, Lord, too, and to Heal them in your own, your own way. This we ask in the name of Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Um, now, we're going to open with our, our first item of praise. Um, the service this morning we've tried to make very uplifting for, for um, everyone this morning, and especially for our young people. We, we try to make Boys Brigade and Girls Association as lively as we can. Um, we like to enjoy our praise and our worship within um, BB and Girls Association. So we, we do some praise items, um, especially with the younger ones, um, on a weekly basis. And we enjoy making a lot of noise and trying to learn a wee bit of um, a wee bit of action as long as well as our, our scripture every week. So some of the items that you'll see today are items that we've done on our weekly program. Some of them are new items, and um, we ask you to join with us as best that you can today. Um, as we work through our, our service this morning, we're not going to announce all the items. So if you just follow on on the order of service, that would be much appreciated. Um, so if we can stand together and join in our first item, this is Amazing Grace. Thank you. Yes. 
A reading from Mark, chapter 4, verses 35 to 41. Jesus calms the storm. That day, when evening came, he said to his disciples, Let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along, just as he was, in the boat. There were also other boats with him. A furious squall came up, and the waves broke over the boat, so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. Then the wind died down, and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, Who is this? Even the wind and waves obey him. Well done, James. Very good, very well read. Um, I want to tell you a wee bit about that story, actually. But before I do, anybody here, put up your hand if you've been deep sea fishing before. Yeah, <laughs> you've got to try it down Bangor. I think it was, the, uh, it was the Purple Heather, I think you called the boat, that I went out on quite regularly. And uh, I used to do summer schemes during the summer. And one year I brought Tokmona. I was working on Tokmona and I brought them along for a fishing trip. We all piled in the fishing boat. And we went out and weren't getting very much. But then all of a sudden, we just hit this massive shoal of mackerel, absolutely huge. And, we, and within six minutes, bringing in two, bringing in three, all the wee lads were catching them left, right, and center, and they didn't want to kill them. So they got me to do the dirty work. <laughs> 247 fish in six minutes. And I got off that boat and I was covered in fish scales and blood, you know, and we went up. There used to be a wee shop that sold fish and tackle across from the harbour. And they got 10p each for their fish. And they went home really happy. But I want to tell you a story this morning about a boat with some fishermen in it and a rough sea and Jesus in the boat. Okay, so... One day, like the Sea of Galilee, I've never been there, but I've seen pictures of it, but it's a beautiful, beautiful sea. And it's so picturesque. Got mountains on either side. And on a lovely day, it's as calm, as peaceful as anything. But it can change like that, but like Northern Ireland. Comes, the wind can just come whistling down the mountains, right through the valley, and stir up the water into 20-foot waves, 30-foot waves, 40-foot waves, big monster waves. And that's what happened the day that Jesus was out in the boat with some of these fishermen, some of his disciples. Okay, so they just hit a storm, a great windstorm arose. You ever been on a boat that's really, when it's rough weather? Have you? Anybody ever been seasick? Your mum gave you tablets for it? No, you've been seasick? Yeah, well, these, you can imagine what these disciples were like. They were, the waves were coming in the boat, battering the boat. The boat was being tossed to the right and then tossed to the left, up and down. And 
the disciples were going, whoa, whoa, whoa. And they were probably throwing up over the side, getting bales of water. We're told in the scripture they were trying to bale it out, and they were bailing it out, and it was coming flying back in again. And it was terrible. Even the fishermen were frightened, and they were so used to so many storms. And so they decided, we've got to do something. We're going to drown if we don't do something. But you know where Jesus is? He's asleep. Can you imagine being asleep in a storm like that? What peace you must have. Incredible to go through a storm with such peace. And the disciples are sort of probably arguing amongst themselves. Who's going to waken him? Right, we need to tell Jesus he needs to do something. You tell him. I'm not telling him. Go on, you tell him. I'm not telling him. What if he shouts at me? You tell him. They didn't know Jesus very well at this time. Haven't got to know him. It was was an early relationship. So one of them decides, right, okay. Jesus, and he wakens him. And he says, do you not care? Don't you care? We're going to drown here. We're going to drown. Don't you care about us? And that's sometimes what we feel like with God, isn't it? When you're going through a really hard patch. God, don't you care about me? It's just a natural response. Don't you care about me going through this? And they went through this storm and Jesus woke Jesus. And Jesus, what did Jesus do? He got up, wiped the sleep out of his eyes. And then he looked out at the waves and the wind, which was going mad. And he just shouted, peace be still. But that's the real polite version in the Bible. The actual translation is quiet or shut up. Shut up. I had to wake him up to do that. Now, shut up. And suddenly, it was as calm and as peaceful again, just like a, a mirror, just like a, a pool of water. It was so calm. And the disciples, they didn't know him at this point very well. And they went aside, they said, good grief, who is this man? Who can this man be? Who on earth is he that can even the wind and the waves obey him? I want you to keep that in your head because we're going to be looking at that a wee bit later on this morning. Who is this man? Because that's a really important question in our lives. So I want to just... uh, It's time for (laughs) the enrollment. So... uh, Jesus commissioned his church uh, to go into all the world, make, all, make disciples of all nations. And the Boys Brigade and the Girls Association is part of the church and it shares in this task. And the primary purpose of the Boys Brigade is to present the boys with the claims of Jesus Christ. Uh, this morning, the officers and helpers of this company have to pledge themselves afresh to this work. Let's therefore commit them to Christ as we pray together. We thank you, Lord, for the privilege and the responsibility of ministering among children and young people in your church. Grant that by the power of your Holy Spirit, those who pledge themselves afresh to this service today may be enabled to fulfill this task through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Would the officers and the helpers please stand? As officers and helpers in the 10th 
Bangor Company of the Boys Brigade and Girls Association, who've been called by God to the work of caring for and training the young people of our company. Will you, by your work and example, seek to advance Christ's kingdom among them and to promote the habits of obedience, reverence, discipline, self-respect, and all that tends towards a true Christian character? May God give you grace to be faithful to him and successful in your work for him in the Boys' Brigade. Now could I ask that the company and junior sections and the anchors all stand. As, as members of the Boys' Brigade and Girls' Association, you're part of the worldwide family of the church. Do you promise to be a loyal member of the Boys' Brigade and to support the activities of the company? May God help you to keep your promise and have, give you the strength to overcome temptation and to be loyal to our great captain and saviour, Jesus Christ. Please be seated. That wasn't too difficult, sure it wasn't. <laughs> okay, let's, let's pray. We pray for the Boys' Brigade and for the Girls' Association here in Ballycrocken and around the world. Give it greater power to advance your kingdom around the world. Help us to stand for you at all times. Make us strong where we are weak. Give us courage in difficult times. Make us faithful to our promises, loyal in friendship and constant in our service for you. Bring us to yourself and by your grace, bring us into your eternal kingdom. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Okay, so now I'm going to pray for you boys and girls, and uh, God has a plan for each of your lives, and we're going to pray that God is with you in the BB, we're going to pray that God is with you in school, amongst your friends, and as you grow up in your families, that God looks after you and protects you, and uh, you know his peace. Let's pray a wee minute. Father, we just, we thank you for these young boys and girls, and we appreciate them so much. And Father, we just thank you for them here today, and thank you for the parents that have come out to see them. And we really do pray, Lord, for their future. We really do pray for their tomorrows. Father, in such a brittle world as we have at the moment, we pray that you would be their rock. You are sure and steadfast. You are faithful. And we pray that they might know that faithfulness of yours, that they might come to know Christ as their Lord and Savior, as their rock on which they can build their lives. And that when the sea and the storms are raging all around, that they might know that they have Jesus Christ who they can trust on and stand upon day and night. We pray God bless them in their wee friendships as they grow up, Lord. We pray that they might have good friendships, steer them away, Lord, from bad influences and bad friendships. Be with them in their home and their family. Bless their parents. May they enjoy these days as their young ones grow up. May you give them wisdom, Lord, and help them and support them, Lord, to guide their wee ones ahead. And Father, we pray also for the leaders. Um, we, 
We thank you for them. We thank you for their faithfulness. Lord, it's not easy being a youth leader in these days, but we thank you for them. We pray that you give them strength. We pray that you'd give them wisdom. We pray, Lord, that you'd give them patience. And we pray also that they would know that you are their rock, that you are sure and steadfast, that you are their anchor, Lord, in life's storms. And we surrender them to you, Lord. And we pray, Father, for 10th Bangor. We pray, Lord, that more and more young boys and girls would come out and come to it, that it would grow. Um, but particularly, Lord, that, it would, that many would find faith, Lord, as a result of the BB. Many would find their faith in a Savior who loves them. In Jesus Christ's name, we ask these things. Amen. Amen. So, um, we're going to sing at Waymaker. No? Okay, we'll sing our God is our anchor. They were
I'm going to sing away maker now. <laughs> okay, please feel free to do air guitar if you want to. <laughs>
17 verses 16 through 33. While Paul was waiting for them in Athens, he was greatly distressed to see that the city was full of idols. So he reasoned in the synagogue with both Jews and God-fearing Greeks, as well as in the marketplace day by day with those who happened to be there. A group of Epicurean and Stoic philosophers began to debate with him. Some of them asked, what is this babbler trying to say? Others remarked, he seems to be advocating foreign gods. They said this because Paul was preaching the good news about Jesus and the resurrection. Then they took him and brought him to a meeting of the Areopagus. They said to him, now we know what this new teaching is that you are presenting. You are bringing some strange ideas to our ears and we would like to know what they mean. All the Athenians and foreigners who lived there spent their time doing nothing but talking about and listening to the latest ideas. Paul then stood up in the meeting of the Areopagus and said, People of Athens, I see that in every way you are very religious. For as I walked around and looked carefully to your objects of worship, I even found an altar with this inscription, To an unknown god. So you are ignorant of the very thing you worship, and this is what I am going to proclaim to you. The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by human hands and he is not served by human hands as if he needed anything. Rather, he himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else. From one man he made all the nations and that they should inhabit the whole earth and he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him. Though he is not far from any one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being. As some of your own poets have said, where is offspring? Therefore, since we are God's offspring, we should not think about the divine being is like gold or silver or stone, an image made by human design and skill. In the past, God overlooked such ignorance, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent. For he has set a day when he will judge the world with justice by the man he has appointed. He has given proof of this to everyone by raising him from the dead. When they heard about the resurrection of the dead, some of them sneered, but others said, we want to hear you again on the subject. At that, Paul left the council. Read again. Now, <clears throat> I want to continue on with a wee theme, who is this Jesus? But I don't want to speak just about Jesus now, I want to speak about Paul, a man called Paul, who taught about Jesus, who shared Jesus with other people, who preached about Jesus. Now, Paul came, what, do you know what, he travelled 200 miles, 200 miles to Athens. Do you know anybody know where Athens is? Aren't that in school? Yes? Well done, well done. Athens is in Greece, massive big city, and Athens back then when Paul was there, it was full of statues. It was the home of the likes of Plato, Aristotle, uh, who else was there? <laughs> Um, Socrates, all these guys who were philosophers, who were deep thinkers, and they were so proud of their city. And in the city, there were so many idols, so many statues to other gods. Do you know how many people lived in Athens back then? 10,000 people lived in Athens. Do you know how many statues were to other gods? 30,000 statues. So there were more statues to other gods than there were people living in the city. And when Paul came in, Paul really felt, uh, as it says there, he, he says spirit was provoked. That meant he was so sad. He was so sad. He was emotional when he went around and looked at all these statues because he thought these people, 
it's the center of the intellectual world, but they're missing something. They're missing Christ. They've no knowledge of who Jesus is, of what he's done for them. They've no knowledge of him dying for them, of being raised from the dead, of them, him wanting to introduce them to God. They've none of that. It might be a beautiful, beautiful city with all these statues of gold and silver and bronze, but they're lost. Spiritually, they're lost. Spiritually, they're dead. Now, he went, he, he thought to himself, I've got a burning. He has this burning in his heart. How am I going to tell him about Jesus? So he jumps right in and he goes to the synagogues and he shares with the people in the synagogues. And when he's finished that, he goes to the marketplaces and when people are buying their carrots and their spuds and everything in the marketplace, he's saying, have you heard of Jesus? And he's talking about Jesus in the marketplace. So religious people he talks to, ordinary folk on the street he talks to, but there's other two other group of people that Rory read out there for us, Epicureans and Stoics. Now, they're philosophers. Philosophers are like deep thinkers. They're busy. They tend to be asking the question, what life? What's life all about? Why are we here? What's our purpose? What's my purpose? Well, the Epicureans, do you know what they believed? They believed everything happened by chance, that God didn't have a plan, that they, everything just happened by chance. You were born like on a conveyor belt. You lived your life on this conveyor belt, and then you fell off the other end and died, and that was it. There was nothing after death. Now, they did believe in gods, but they thought, God's not interested in the likes of me. God doesn't care about what I do, what I am. I'm in this life on my own. I die, I bur- I'm born, I die, and that's it. And their, their purpose of life was, let's live it. Live it for the full now. Enjoy it to the full now. I'm going to really have a good time. And they promoted simple lifestyle. Now, the Stoics, they were a wee bit different. The Stoics believed that God was in everything, that God was in the mountains, God was in the rivers, God was in the oceans, God was in the valleys, God was in the heavens and the stars, everywhere. But they were fatalistic, which meant they believed whatever will be will be. If I, if I, nothing I can do can control my life. Whatever will be, will be. It's like, a, it's like the attitude was, if I fall down the stairs today, I just go, well, thank God that's over. Fatalistic. If I get knocked down by a bus, it was meant to happen. And it, what it made for them was they were really couldn't care less about their lives and they just lived their lives because whatever will be, will be. And that's how they were. But then comes we Paul. Here comes Paul along into Athens, massive big city, all these 30,000 statues. And he, they hear him talking about Jesus, and they want to make a bit of fun with him, have a bit of fun. And they turn around and they say, what sort of a babbler, what does this babbler want to say to us? Now, the babbler, word babbler means it's actually... The literal translation is seed picker. He's like a wee bird that picks a seed off the ground. And that word became used as he's somebody with ideas that he's stolen from somebody else. And he's talking a load of rubbish. He doesn't understand what he's talking about. Let's have a bit of fun with Paul. So do you know what they do? They invite him to Mars. Well, not the planet Mars. They invite him actually to Mars Hill. And it's a place where, it's a bit like a classroom. It's a place where they went, the council went, and they went to discuss things. 
So they thought to themselves, have a bit of fun with Paul. So they brought him up on this hill to question him, and he must have been really, really frightened. Um, He must have been incredibly frightened because here he was in a classroom full of these deep-thinking philosophers, and they were going to ask him questions. He must have been shaking. I know I'd have been shaking in my boots. But he did a very good thing. He, He says to them, he compliments them. He says, I've been having a wee look around your town. I'm quite impressed, actually. You're very religious people. Now, the term religious is the same term that's used for superstitious. And let's face it, a lot of our religion is absolutely superstitious nonsense. So he says, you're a very religious slash superstitious people. And they're probably thinking, oh, he's giving us a compliment here. Super, uh, we're religious. And he, sa- he turns around and he says, but I noticed something. You have 30,000 statues here, but you have one altar, you have one statue that you've written on the bottom to the unknown God. You don't know that God, do you? No, you admit you don't know him. No, we don't know him. So start listening. Who is this that he's going to tell us about? What's he going to tell us about? And they were always interested in something new. We're told in verse 21, they sat around all day, there were layabouts, they did nothing but philosophize and talk about philosophy and they sat around, most of them sat around all day having a wee chat and a cup of tea. But they always liked something new. What are we going to hear from Paul? This unknown God. Paul turns around to them and says, you know, this is incredible because you are such a center of intellect, you're such a center of knowledge And yet the greatest piece of knowledge, the greatest truth that ever could be told, you've come up short on. You've come up short on. Well, I'm going to tell you who this unknown God is. That's what Paul says. I'm going to tell you who this unknown God is. And they're listening quiet. They're really quiet. And he turns around and he says, I'm going to tell you about him. Oh, hold on. Uh, First of all, God who created the world does not live in temples. Turns around and says, you think he lives in a temple? Catch yourself on. God is much bigger than that. He doesn't live in a temple. He doesn't live in a church building. He doesn't live in any building because he's too big. He's your creator. So these temples that you've built around you, they're useless. God doesn't live in those temples. He lives Everywhere, God is massive. He is your creator. Secondly, he turns around and says, do you think God needs you? He doesn't beat around the bush, this boy, Paul. Do you think God needs your worship? Of course he doesn't. Do you think you have anything that you possess, any possession that you have? Do you think he's anything, that you have anything that he needs? No, it's the other way around. You need God. God doesn't need you. He wants you but he doesn't need you. He's the life giver. He gave you life, and he gave you life, and he gave your baby life and your children life. He's the life giver. He's the one that puts life in the butterfly and life in the hummingbird. He's the one that puts life in the tiger and life in the seas, teeming with life. He's the life giver. He doesn't need you. But in spite of that, 
You're here for a reason. You Epicureans, you think there's no plan. You're born and then you go along the conveyor belt and then off the end and you die and that's it. No, God has a plan. You are in Athens today listening to me and I'm going to tell you the gospel of Jesus Christ, how he died for your sin and how he's opened the way into heaven for you. I'm going to tell you, and you are here because God planned for you to be here. God has planned for you to be here. God is closer than you think. He is close by. Paul was a Pharisee. He was steeped in the Old Testament scriptures, but he knew it wouldn't work with these people. They don't read the Old Testament scriptures. So we quote a couple of things from poets that were Greek poets, and one of them is, in him we live and move and have our being. In other words, he's close by. God wants to be involved in your life. God is not disinterested. He's interested in your life, and that's what I've come to tell you today. Now, they're just all sitting there. And uh, another, another verse he uses from a poet is, for we are also his offspring. Now, he's, you're saying that you're God's offspring. Yeah, that's what you agree with in your Greek poets. Jesus said, I'm not saying this, you said, it. yeah, we are. Well, then what are you doing making idols of silver and gold? Are you, if you're made in his image, are you gold? Are you bronze? Are you made of silver? Of course you're not. Don't be so ridiculous then making these false idols. You're his offspring if you're his image. You know, of course we can, and I used to do this when I was a youngster. If anyone was preaching about idols, I'd go, well, I don't have any of them things in my house. I don't have any of them things, them silver, gold, bronze, all that. I'm all right. But you know, we're taught in Scripture that anything that gets in the way of God's relationship with you and your love for him, because that's what you were created for, you were created for to have a relationship with him. Anything that gets in that way of yours that stops that is an idol. Paul's not just talking back then. He's talking to us today. So we're told... By Paul, he says to them, so stop all this false worship. Stop all this superstitious nonsense. And as I was saying, a lot of religion is superstitious nonsense. And he says, God understands that you didn't know, but he's calling every man and woman and boy and girl to repent. And repent simply a change of mind. A change of mind from the superstitious nonsense the trust in Christ. I turn from worshiping or focusing and putting so much attention on things that can't talk back to you, things that are dead, things that are impersonal in your life that we often think are so important. Turn away. Some of those things are lovely, but if they come in front of God, if they come in God's place, they're idols. So he's saying, turn away and turn to Christ. Turn to Jesus Christ. Now, let me tell you who Christ is. And he goes on to say, Christ is the one in Jerusalem who died for your sins. And Christ is the one who was raised again. Now, 
Imagine that this book has every sin that you ever committed, every sinful thought, every sinful wrong action, wrong word that that you've said against someone, everything that you've ever done in your life is written in this book. All of your sins are there. And Paul is there to tell them, you're here for a reason, because I want to tell you today that Jesus Christ, instead of God punishing you, he put Christ on the cross, and he put your book on top of him, and he died and was punished by the Father in your place. And that whenever you receive Christ, whenever you receive him as your friend, a personal Savior, a personal Lord. He gives you his righteousness and you're clean as you've ever been. Clean and clean before God. And so, Paul, that's what Paul is there to tell him. Turn to Jesus Christ. Don't get caught up in stuff that isn't that important. There's lots of stuff that's important. Of course there is. But don't get caught up in the world's stuff that's going to keep you away from him. Turn to Christ. So we started off with this question, who is this man? Who is this man? Who is he? Who is he that, that calms a storm? Who is this man that heals a blind person? Who is this man who rose from the dead? His name's Jesus Christ. He's the Son of God. Now, you have to decide for yourself. This is one of the, if not the most important question you'll ever answer in your life. Who is this man, Jesus Christ? Who is he? Because your answer to that will affect how you live the rest of your life and where you spend eternity also. Who is he? If he is is just another man, if he isn't the son of God, then forget about him and go on with your life and live it the way you want to live it. But if, if he is the Son of God, then surrender to him. Give your life to him. Turn to him. Ask for that forgiveness, and you'll have found a friend for life and a Savior for all eternity. And Paul tells us that Jesus is the man who will judge us. If you accept him as your Savior, now... Then he's Savior forever. And you go to be with him when you pass from this world. If you reject him, he's your judge, says Paul. He's your judge when you stand before him and have to give an account. Who is this man? That's a good question. And Jesus asked his disciples who they saying that I am. And some said, oh, they think you're Elijah. They think you're John the Baptist, come back from the dead. They don't have a clue. And then he asked Peter, and he looked him straight in the eyes, Peter, who do you say that I am? He says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Who do you say he is? Who do you say he is this morning? That's an important question. Just by ignoring that question, it doesn't go away. Who do you say he is? Savior or judge? 
Let's pray. Lord, we thank you, Father, that, that you are the creator of the universe. And God, sometimes we think we're doing you a, 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 we're doing you a justice, Lord, when we show a little bit of interest. But Father, you don't need us. We need you. And Lord, we pray, Father, also that, that many today, Lord, and these boys and girls, we grow up to find Jesus as their personal Savior through this life, the one who, through the storms, as long as he's in the boat, they can count on his strength. As long as they have him as a Savior, and Lord, they have him in the boat with them. I pray, Lord Jesus, as Paul prayed for these people in Athens, I pray that we would turn to you and know the living God, not a dead God. We know the personal God, not an impersonal God. Know the creator of the universe. Know the Son of God who died in our place, but rose from the dead in victory over death and over sin. Lord, be with us now as we continue this service. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, if there's anything that I've said or this morning that, that you feel, yeah, I'd just like to follow up on, like to ask them about, have we chat, please feel free to chat with me after the service. Um, Christ is alive. Christ is alive and well. And he doesn't want you to struggle, especially through this year, he does not want you to struggle on your own. He's there for you. And if you're a visitor this morning, we want to be there for you. All right, I think I've said enough. We'll just finish with that. And my father-in-law is probably watching this, wasn't feeling too well this morning. And... Um, and he said to me last night, he came and said, are you going to sing with your anchor hold? I says, we are. He says, good. He says, so hope, hope he's watching. So let's stand and sing with your anchor hold.
Father God, we thank you for this service. We thank you for Mark and how he's led us through the scriptures. We thank you, Lord, that you offer to be our anchor. And I pray for all of us here, whether we've known you a long time or whether we don't know you at all, that you can stir up our hearts, that we can all have that desire to know you as our Lord and Saviour. Lord, I pray for our boys. I pray as we move forward in the BB year, just that we can keep up to our promises and our commitments, that we can continue to grow as godly men and continue to grow in friendships and with one another. I pray for our leaders as well, Lord. I pray you'd be with us all to keep up our commitment to Christ and show that to the boys. I pray that we could have them in our hearts and in our prayers and just that we could really work alongside them to show them just how much you love them. And so, Lord, I just pray you'll be with us as we go our separate ways this day. I pray we can have good conversations over coffee afterwards and just that we can all know your comforting presence with us now and forever. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Ben. Now may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all, now and forevermore. Amen.